Greetings, greetings everyone. This is V, aka Vernon English. Welcome to the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. What's going on? Hit the subscribe button when you get the opportunity or let someone know. Um, hit the subscription button, it's like seven bucks, but I update pretty regularly. I give Easter eggs for subscriptions and answer more in-depth questions. And it's a really cool thing. This is one of the funniest podcasts I've done if ever um, usually I do like interviews and whatnot but I consider this just a stream of consciousness of what I have as far as content goes and this is no shots to any other writers this is for myself and a challenge to constantly update and constantly write a never-ending story and it sounds as if it comes off as the words in itself is impossible but it's quite possible if you pace yourself and you have awesome listeners such as yourself and i i find this a, a fun uh, task to do as if i was doing it anyway you're writing a weekly series so i i find that something fun to do so that that's pretty much all i have as far as announcements ooh 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 also, another announcement is that the fourth book is coming, and you can find my other books on Amazon. Uh, that's where I'm reading this content from. Anyone who is curious as to like, okay, so this guy's just making this stuff off the top of his head? Yes and no. <laughs> the things that are off the top of the head are basically the new stories that I will be including in the next story for the fourth book, and this that we're getting into now is the third book i spent some time explaining the characters and i love getting feedback uh the streets are the internet 2.0 and so you definitely and inevitably get what people are feeling and they will give you the honest opinion about your work uh i've gotten many many times someone come up to me and they're like well it's it's a great story but it's confusing and i it's a lot to process and I'm like yes yes oh yes <laughs> that is the purpose of me doing this podcast to explain the more complicated and convoluted parts so that one could get a better frame of reference and process all these things that are happening in the story I never want to get to the point where and in no shots fired to a writer or something like this but if i was having like an anime or a cartoon series and people are really excited about it and they're waiting for the next episodes they're like all right come on come on when's, when's the next one coming and then i have to wait because i have to build up the story or i have to the the way that everything is moving and, and how i'm releasing it is faster than them comprehending it so no, 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 no. I, I want to build up all of that I have first uh, before it gets to that point. And, and I'm really excited the way that the story is unfolding. Uh, I'm excited the way that people are responding. I had a gentleman the other day. Uh, he's awesome. And he basically was like, well, I like the book, but it's a lot. <laughs> and I was like, well, yes, yes. And that that lets me know that I'm in the right vein. I'm, I'm tapping away at something or chipping away at, at the right 
tree to basically bring and present to everyone so this is really really fun the third book is beginning on this uh, cast and the second book inevitably has ended I talked about the ending of the second book and how arbitrary it was and how lighthearted it was compared to the first book and the first book understandably was the introduction so I had to get a frame of a voice or set a pace or tone to how the rest of the series would unfold and if you've ever seen the show 24 it's a, a Fox series that used to come on and the guy used to come on there uh, Jack Bauer and he was insane the craziest white man I've ever seen in my life he looked like the MacGyver baby or something like this MacGyver would be proud in the things that this gentleman would do and be in these crazy situations and have this sense of pressure over his head because he would have a time limit and it would be trippy because every scene that would come up or every place that they would go it would have a time stamp on it and it'd be like bloop 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 <laughs> and I thought that was one of the coolest things ever because as a viewer, you got that sense of haste or you, you got that sense of urgency that was in every character or felt. And it wasn't such a Mission Impossible type of scenario, but it, it definitely inevitably felt like that. But you, I don't know what it is on a, a cognitive or a brain level to see something like that and to have that as a uh, uh, a frame of reference because each character cognitively even if they weren't aware of what was happening the viewer was so it was a, a a breaking of the fourth wall and that inspired me it was so many things that inspired me for this story but something to make it unique and something to give a sense of urgency but not in that same light was the something that I wanted to tap into on the for the first book and quite possibly have for all the rest of the series. If not, just easing the pedal off of or meshing my foot off of the gas pedal in the in the books that would follow. But on the first book, I wanted to mash the gas the gas pedal to the point of me burning all of whatever tires that I had for that series. I wanted to go to zero to 60 real fast. <laughs> I wanted to, and, and that's why the book feels that way because of that. I, I wanted a person to immediately be immersed in this said character and then understand that anything could possibly happen. And inevitably it does, but I wanted it to be known like off rip first first installment second installment third installment all of those in in the series and i wanted people to get this air of thinking that it was poetry i i, I love that poetry is is a great great medium it's a great way to express oneself but usually it, it is in, in a autobiographical fashion or it is a whimsical fashion of them describing a scenery 
for just the scenario in itself. It could be satin dresses. It could be the countryside with the, the sun shimmering in the background. It could be all these different things that a person is inevitably feeling. But never have I seen a point where someone is giving a story in that fashion and, and giving great accounts or making up a character and then giving said account from that and that's where this story is derived from so that that's just for anyone catching in on the tail end uh catching these podcasts for the first time and to the listener who has been listening and who's been there with me hey you know what this is the third book this is the seat of the door with no threshold and the title in itself comes from me thinking of an obscure thing and it's indicative of the title of the fourth book which i'll eventually reveal to you but each and every one of the titles of the books had some sense of on air or something that to us obscures our senses and a seat of the door with no threshold would be sitting in the door and you're sitting in a threshold but it's not there and there inevitably it's just an empty doorway so it, it's almost as if it's a cover and, and walking into one threshold into the next and standing in between it and uh, some even give instances of uh, the magical quality of standing in between two spaces such as that and I wanted to give that as an allusion as to how the story will progress, but it, it's almost as if it's alliteration, uh, the way that it's worded, the seat of the door with no threshold. So I, I was in Venice, and once again, these are no accounts of autobiography. I am not one of those guys that give personal accounts. <laughs> if anything, this only adds to you understanding how obscure this story is. Everything else on a personal level, uh, I try to intend to have be a mystery. <laughs> Just because it, it's a fun way to express oneself and to show that uh, you can accomplish many different things regardless of what, what happens to you in your life circumstances. So yeah, the book came about, I was in Venice and I obviously got the vein of the second book and I continued it. So I gave a preview of the third book in the second book. Interesting fun fact is that I didn't give a preview for the fourth book in the third book. That did not happen. It was something that I, I was attempting to finish and actually if I'm trying to go back into my Rolodex of memory I wanted to have the fourth book already done by now. But things happen in life. It, it's a great thing. How about that on this entire uh, scenario, though? But you must understand that the third book was shorter than the second and third, second and first book. And I, I was in a whole different other realm. These are different characters. The first one is introduced by as a tree and, and I personify something of this nature and 
I name it a Murphy tail, M-E-R-F-R-U-I-D, as the next part of the series where I describe a new race. And I actually describe it in the second book, but it goes into more detail in the third. And the Truid, the, the Desert Manfreys, the Descendant of Mosses, I'm looking at the table of contents right now, wild travels all of these things are great 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 stories from the third book and i'm trying to think like hold on i remember saying these sprite tidbits oh i remember okay 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 so this is um yeah i even have the band of the crow in this book and and i thought i didn't continue her storyline but that's awesome I have Seafried Tales, C-Y-F-R-U-I-D, and that is a description of uh, circuitry or a, a play on words off of that. And so the third book is a different feel. It's almost as if it's like a pillow on top of all of the hard stuff that I had originally wheeled out for everyone. And like I say, I the second book is one of my favorites. The third book was more or less like a continuation of the second book if I can be uh, very clear and concise so let me go into this and, and I'll describe a little bit of what this one is and then I'll continue it in another podcast but oh ooh, ooh, ooh. before I get into the third book before we start going off in the tangent land uh, you must understand that the characters the characters the characters the characters I talked about them in the last three podcasts but I had not finished because there are many 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 characters so if you guys want to hear more about what it is these characters are doing on a daily basis I can update you and give a clear description but none of them are alike none of them are the same none of them look alike not even if they're from the same village and this third book accentuates that uh, to the 10th degree to the 15th degree there are no same type of coins in any of these instances so this one uh, is a story called a tree who believed himself alone and this was just um, a continuation and a really like a spectrum of different types of characters and one shots that I would make and so it basically is a tree that experienced all of the destruction from Oleander from the first story, from the first book, and a witness to something that all of these things were going on. And so it's basically giving nature a narrative and giving an account of all of these things that it was witnessing from these moving beings and how they were operating. And almost as if it was making fun of them for the way that they were acting or how they were experiencing their emotions and the tree gives his own account and I just thought that was a cool thing uh, no one truly personifies uh, inanimate objects the way that I do uh, just because I am a nerd by trade but then too I, I thought it'd be curious to do so so that's one of the new 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 characters in the third story uh, you could just say that it was a tree <laughs> but 
understandably don't tell someone over a, a, a restaurant dinner or anything like that and tell them that that was the big thing in book three don't do that that they'll be like what the guy's talking about trees he's narrating a tree and i'm like ah. <laughs> i'll show you okay so it says the tree saw hell heavens to megatroy feathers from light should have bailed hindsighted errors to those blessed to background shadows to tally fulfill okay so these are not stanzas but it just basically starts out where it says that the tree saw hell play on words for fire and then it says heavens to megatroy now if you're familiar with anything from cartoons or hanna-barbara and uh, cartoon network there was snagglepuss and uh, i believe he was a pink lion i believe and he would always say exit stage left or heavens to megatroy and so I thought this was a funny play on words where it says heavens to mega Troy. And so mega Troy being as in these things or beings hiding in plain sight, but having um, a ulterior motive underneath, if that makes sense. And if you're familiar with the story of Troy and how they rode in on a giant horse, I believe it was a giant wooden horse and they were all the warriors were inside of it and that is how they ended said war but once again i don't know world history i don't know anything about this place i don't know anything <laughs> so it says feathers from light should have bailed and feathers from light should have bailed and i, I spell bailed b-a-a-l-e-d off of the word or historically Baal the god or something like this some golden calf or something but yeah I, I thought that was a, a cool play on words as well and I let someone uh, infer what it was that I meant from that line but it says hindsighted errors to those blessed two background shadows two tally fulfill and so these are hindsighted errors um, to those that had their memories and the others uh, two tally full fell and so the many of them that was uh, fallen or had uh, passed away due to all the chaos and rape pillaging all the bandits and all those things that were going on and not including the fires and natural disasters <laughs> one tree discovered foresight problematic conjectures when green buds supply no head not even the spiders dare congregate to one in particular alone upon a hill the fetus marveled, for the other trees felt no threat. How could such a thing be, when even the dead held on to cosmic fruit never bare? Reaching out through squared speech, the groove stared, starved for answers holding rooted hands underneath. Flowering discussion, a council shifted, said celestial, beyond the hallowed sky's hair, dressing the infinity as if it, the all were just that, unique. So, basically, as to explain and not go into super tangent land, because I love tangent land. Tangent land is the best place ever. But I wanted to quickly describe a tree and describe its temperament and describe its plight 
it was in a clearing and alone compared to all the other trees which were together and compared to all of these things it was becoming aware of consciousness and becoming cognizant of the things that were happening and that's where it developed this sense of seeing things before it happened and it says problematic conjectures when green buds supply no head and so it was almost as if the tree was sick or something like this and other creatures from the forest did not come to said tree uh, to aid it but it wanted to connect to the other trees and, and if you're familiar with the forest or you're familiar with plants the there's a great quality that they have in having this this what would you call illusion of being still <clears throat> trees and actually plants move at, at their own pace obviously but they bend to light and so if you've ever seen a, a growing root or you see a growing plant you'll see that even if you have it in your home or you put it in a windowsill that it will obviously um, bend at certain times or even bend in general just so that it can get an extra piece of light versus all of what we have in our places and I wanted this to be one of those quintessential things of a tree bending to its own will to find others and to speak and it said reaching out through squared speech the groove stared and star for answers holding rooted hands underneath and it was cool because that is also a play on words for how trees have this I believe it's a scientific quality or thing that they do and they have their roots uh, all fashioned underneath the ground so you'll see a tree here and then a few yards away you'll see another and they have their roots uh, intertwined underneath uh, the ground and so when one is devoid of nutrients or it needs something um, I forgot this uh, cytophil or chlorophyll or something in their their genetic makeup and if it's devoid of that thing or if it's not there then all the other trees that are surrounding and connected through the roots underneath the ground will give that said nutrient to the, the one tree that is not there and I thought that was a crazy crazy quality that the average person and I don't even know what an average person is because everybody's cool but to the person that's not familiar with trees or arbology, um, arbology, I think that's the word, or the study of trees, arbalist, arbalist, yes. <laughs> if they're not familiar with it, they wouldn't be in that understanding that trees communicate. And they do so very regularly. And, and I thought that would be the best way to start the third book by giving an account of a tree that literally thought itself alone and and how that is possible how cognitively to personify a tree to do something like that I was like yes that would be perfect to start off the seat of the door with no threshold and, and as you can see the the play on words there so yes this is the third book the seat of the door with no threshold let someone know about them tap them on the shoulder let them know like, hey there's a third book out that's actually really cool like i'm really interested let let them know just play it or a whim and and 
jam out now <laughs> i'll have more series uh i'll have more podcasts involving this uh the more you guys like the pieces the faster it is i upload and i'll give more accounts in the next installment of how the characters change from the second book and the time frame and the reference uh, i mentioned jack bauer and 24 earlier and how the first book uh, gave those accounts very gingerly and the second book kind of continued and so this is another time lapse from the third book and it's not too much longer afterwards but it's definitely some time from people waking up and understanding what happened in their lives so yes this is v aka vernon english thank you so much and thank you thank you <laughs>